So a super fan is a customer who comes back and tell their friends. There's the, they're those loyal advocates who we know we can count on again and again. And the reason they're important is because that's the kind of customers that every single business wants. Like, I don't care what industry you're in. If your customers aren't telling their friends about you, you're in trouble. Helping you create loyal customers and loyal employees all through the power of simplicity. This is the Simple Brand Podcast, now heard around the world, including Rockville, Maryland. I'm your host, Matt Lyles, and this week, I'm talking with my friend, Brittany Hodak. Entrepreneur Magazine calls her an expert at creating loyal fans for your brand. And Brittany's an international keynote speaker, an award-winning customer experience leader, and now she's a best-selling author. Brittany was on the Simple Brand Podcast back in episode 67, but this time she's coming back to discuss her new book, Creating Superfans, How to Turn Your Customers into Lifelong Advocates. The book just released this week. Look, I get it. You want your goal for your brand to be where you deliver an experience that creates loyal customers who keep coming back again and again. But... Your real goal should be to take that even further. You want to deliver experiences that convert your customers into devoted superfans. Repeat customers who always evangelize and advocate for your brand to others without you even having to ask. And in this week's episode, Brittany and I discuss her creating superfans lessons on how to do just that. So here it is. Here's my interview with Brittany Hodak. Hey, Brittany, welcome back. Hey, man, thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here. I always enjoy spending time with you, always enjoy geeking out on customer experience and all the things. But today I'm excited. Congrats on your first book, Creating Superfans. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here, look, I'll Vanna White it for you. Ooh. <laughs> And you've got it displayed in all the right places in the background, too. I'm trying. I'm trying. Thank you. So talk to me about the journey with this book. So it took a long time to write this book. It's funny. I was just talking to somebody yesterday. and He was like, oh, yeah, I remember you were working on this book like three years ago, pre-COVID. And I was like, yeah, I was. I took a really long time because I wanted to be really intentional with it. I didn't want it to feel like just another business book or just another customer experience book. And I also really wanted to write it myself. So um, I've had a lot of people kind of come to me and say, here, I'll help you write a book and I'll or I'll take your speech and I'll turn it into a book. But I wanted it to be well-researched. I wanted it to be funny. I wanted it to be accessible and approachable. So what I tried to do was write a book that feels really fun and like something that people are going to read and think, wow, that was such a great time. I didn't even realize how much I was learning until I got to the end of the chapter and saw what I call my super quick rewind, which is sort of the review of the concepts from each chapter. Well, and when you read through the book, it is fun. It is a great read. And you can tell that you actually took the time, not just in the content and the stories and the lessons, but in the design of the book itself. Like it's it's a beautifully designed book. 
Oh, thank you. I wanted it to feel special. I wanted it to feel like a book that you would like Instagram pages from as you are reading and want to highlight. And it's so funny. I had somebody text me that was like, okay, I had to buy a second copy because I wanted to cut out some of these pages and hang them up, but I didn't want to destroy the book. And I was like, order as many as you want. Uh, But I wanted it to feel like an experience because obviously I write about customer experience. So I wanted it to, to feel like a different experience reading this book. That's it. If you're writing and teaching about customer experience, then you've got to make the book feel like an experience. And I know one of the things you talk about is personalization. So I felt it was personalized just for me with all the different song titles throughout. Oh, thank you. Yes, there are. I think it's 104 song titles. And I know this because we made a Spotify playlist of all of them. And there were a couple that like weren't on Spotify. But every chapter in every major heading is a song title. But it's not about the songs. It's just using song titles like all the small things or where it's at or you get what you give to talk about these different customer experience concepts. And that's just one more thing that adds to the overall experience of reading it. Well, thank you. All right. So talk to me about super fans. What does it mean when someone is a super fan of your brand? So a super fan is a customer who comes back and tell their friends. There's they're those loyal advocates who we know we can count on again and again. And the reason they're important is because that's the kind of customers that every single business wants. Like, I don't care what industry you're in. If your customers aren't telling their friends about you, you're in trouble. One of the things you talk about as being a threat to a brand is apathy. Talk to me about apathy and how that relates to super fans. Why is apathy so concerning? Well, I think apathy is one of the biggest threats in the world, and it doesn't get nearly enough press. Like apathy needs a better PR agent because nobody really talks about it. But what I mean when I say apathy is a threat is we're all so busy. There's so much going on. Everybody has way too much to consume, way too much to pay attention to. And so oftentimes when people say, oh, I I can't get enough attention, I can't get enough attention, the problem is not awareness. Like plenty of people know, they just don't care. And the reason they don't care is because you haven't given them a reason to. That idea hasn't converted. Whatever it is that you're talking about has it connected with them in a meaningful, memorable way. So apathy, in a lot of ways, is the opposite of super fandom, right? And it can strike at any point. I talk about this ladder to super fandom concept in the book. And at any point, a customer can decide that maybe you're not the best fit for them anymore, right? And that's really what we're trying to guard against. We're trying to make every experience so meaningful and so memorable that our customer comes back again. And so when it comes to making those meaningful, memorable experiences, you've crafted the Superfan framework. So what is the framework? So in the book, I talk about a framework that I call the supermodel. And it is simple by design. It's simple. I know you love simplicity. And everybody listening to this show loves simple brands. The supermodel is a simple framework. And what I mean by that is it's simple to remember. It's simple to teach. Most importantly, it's simple to measure the impact of and, you know, continue to iterate on as you grow. Because as you know, Matt, I know, you know, 
customer experience is not a set it and forget it. It's something that you've got to continue to keep as your North Star if you want to be known as one of the best in the business. Yeah, it never stops. It never stops. Yep. So SUPER is an acronym that stands for start with your story, understand your customer's story, personalize, exceed expectations, repeat. That's it. That's the secret sauce. That's the magic. And in the book, there is a section dedicated to to really diving into each of those pillars, what they mean, how they come to life, why they're so important, and how doing them in that order is critical to really building the foundations of a customer and employee experience program that's going to withstand the test of time. So it's not just separate things that you should make sure that you focus on. There's an actual order and a sequence to doing those. There is, yes. And in the book, I talk about why that order is important and also how to get buy-in throughout your organization. Because I don't care if your company has three people or 300,000. I don't care if you've been around for 300 years or three months. Customer experience will live or die based on every level of your organization. Every single person on your team is in the experience department. You never know at any given time who is going to make the first and maybe the last impression on a prospect or a customer. So as soon as somebody has on that name tag, whether it's literal or metaphorical, they are the company. So I talk a lot about that concept in the book and what to do to make sure that everyone is aligned around that idea so that you don't have people out there representing your brand in a way that isn't perhaps the way that you would want it to be represented. Gotcha. So you say that everyone is in the customer experience department. Everyone is part of the customer experience. But what about those employees who are in departments that don't even really touch the customer? They're not customer facing. Like, Accounting, finance, IT, legal. What about them? That's a great, that's a great question. I like to refer to those departments as the super glue, if you will. Uh, they're holding everything together because here's the thing. Nobody is more than one step removed from the customer. If you are in accounting, the way you interact with your colleagues helps define the way they interact with your customers, right? So, no employee is ever going to be excited about talking to a customer if it's a headache for them to deal with their colleagues. So everyone in every department is in the experience department because they're playing a direct role in the way that somebody else will be responding to a customer, not just the experience that customer has of, is my invoice going to get signed today or in three days? Or is this bill going to get paid? Or is this contract going to drag on for three more weeks? But also the way that the person feels based on the conversation that they had with the person in accounting or legal or IT or whatever, right before they pick up the phone to call that customer or right before they send the email to that customer. I like how you said that no one is ever more than one step removed from the customer. So even with that, you've got your customer-facing employees, and then no matter the department, there's everyone is still customer-impacting, at least. Absolutely. And if you're not, then the chances are your job is like not that secure. Because if you're not in service to, your, to the customer, at some point, that's not going to be a job that's still around. Because I don't care what you do, if you're not thinking about how can I do something to make the lives of my customer better? 
your job's probably not going to be there. And maybe your company's not going to be there because ultimately, why do businesses exist? To solve a problem for customers. And if you're not solving a problem for customers and if you're not building your team based around solving this problem, whatever it is that you solve, then your company may not be as uh, future-proof as you think it is. Oh, that's true. We have been having some issues with a healthcare company recently in regards to billing. And finally, somebody from the billing department contacted us and we were talking with them on the phone this morning. And just the way that they were talking with us, just with the amount of understanding and saying, oh, you know, like I understand what's going on. And I'll be honest with you, you know, since the merger that we've had, you're not the first customer that has had this problem. And here's what I'm going to do. And hey, here's my email address and here's my personal number and here's my name. So instead of trying to contact the main number, just contact me directly and I'll keep you updated as I solve this problem for you. And I was like, this person is not in customer support. They're in billing. And my goodness, like they can teach a lesson to their customer service department. And that's amazing. And now that person is playing a huge role in the way you think about that company. Like, did your opinion of the entire company shift based on that one interaction? Yeah, that's it. That's it. This lady's name, I think her name was Emily. And there's another customer experience expert, Jim Knight. He likes to talk about how the employee is the brand. The employee is the experience. And after I got off the phone with her today, I was thinking, wow, yeah, Emily is the experience here. That's right. Emily is the brand. And, you know, Emily gets it. And as the leader of an organization, your job is to find as many Emilys as you can and train as many Ethans to become Emilys, right? And something that you mentioned is Emily's empathy, right? You said, she said, I care. I understand. I want to do this. You're not the first. And Oftentimes, we put an outsized emphasis on authority, like teaching people how to do the job and to talk about what they know and what it is that they do. But, you know, I love this quote from Teddy Roosevelt, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So having that empathy, like you would not have cared how many people had gone through this problem if Emily was like, yeah, this happens to a lot of people, it's because of the merger. But because of that empathy of her saying, I get it, I understand how frustrating this is, I would be mad too, and let me tell you, you're not the first, that puts everything in perspective. And that makes you appreciate not just Emily, but everything Emily represents in your mind, which encompasses this company. Yeah, it was in the way that she said it too. She said it in a way that demonstrated, hey, other people have gone through this and we've solved it for them, so I know I can solve it for you. and. I believed that she cared about me and I believe that she cared about our issue. So good. All right. So when it comes to understanding how to create super fans, you've got the super fan framework, but I'm curious, does it help to look at our competitors and seeing what they're doing to how we can figure out how we need to deliver a super fan experience? Yes and no. It absolutely is imperative to know what all of your competitors are doing so that you can stay competitive. Um, I never would encourage anybody to like chase what their competitors are doing or try to directly copy or emulate because, you know, then you're going to just sort of be like an also ran or somebody who 
is maybe almost as good as what they're doing. So you need to pay attention on it. You don't need to obsess over it. But what I would say is in this world that we're living in right now at this moment in time, with technology, with the access that we all have to everyone, your competition isn't just your direct competition. It's everyone. Like we as a human society are getting higher expectations all the time. We want things to be easy. We want them to be quick. We want them to be at our fingertips. We want to have visibility to them. Like if you can see where your pizza is at every step of the process before it gets to your house, you're like, I don't understand. Why can't you tell me where this refrigerator I ordered two weeks ago is? I know where the pizza is that's going to go in the refrigerator. So our expectations aren't just tagged toward what a competitor is doing. It's looking at what's happening all around us and saying, well, if a bank can do that, why can't a clothing store? As customers, like we no longer really care about who you're comparing yourself against. Like we're comparing you against everybody else. It's kind of like that, uh, that parent that likes to compare their siblings. Like, why can't you be more like this one? Yeah, exactly. And it's so funny. A few months ago, we were out to dinner and my son, who had just turned five, we were at this Mexican place that we really like in in town. And the waiter came by to take the order and he said what he wanted. And then he sort of said, uh, you know, very politely, but he was like, excuse me, did you know that if you had an app, we could have put our orders in the app while we were driving here and the food would be ready by now? And I just thought it was such a funny moment and such an amazing insight. And after the waiter left, I said, you know, to my son, like, buddy, not everybody has an app. And he's like, but why? Like, we're just waiting here. Like, they could have had the food ready by now. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see over the next few decades what customers demand, because we've got a whole generation of kids who are growing up literally asking the air for anything they want. And Alexa or Siri or whoever else is like, yep, like just this magical, like, oh, you want this song? You want this movie? You want to know this fun, random fact about dinosaurs? You want to like fact check your homework? Like all of that is literally instantly in the air around you. So it's going to be very interesting to see how customer expectations change over the next couple of decades. Oh, yeah. It's it, like expecting that every brand should be a genie that should grant your wishes immediately. Exactly. Well, now it seems that there's this constant debate around how much we should focus on customer acquisition versus customer retention. So I'm curious, how does the mindset of delivering a super fan experience play into that debate? I think one of the mistakes that many people make is sort of over siloing, I don't think siloing is a word, but over siloing businesses, right? And this is something that as technology has sort of made it possible to track different things, we've, I think in many cases, become very disconnected where we're like, well, this person is in the sales department and this person is in the marketing department and this person's in the onboarding department and this person is in the service department and this person is in the support department and on and on and on. And the thing is like a customer doesn't think that way. Nobody's ever been like, oh, you're in a different department. Well, that changes everything. I'm not so upset anymore. Like, oh, okay, well, that's, you're right. Like, let me blame somebody in this other department. Like, nobody cares. Customers don't think that way. And customers also don't think about, is this an acquisition thing? Is this a retention thing? To a customer, it's just a relationship. So to answer your question, 
Um, creating super fans is something that needs to start way before you're trying to acquire that customer and last forever. So it's not a set it and forget it. It's not a let's wow them once up front and then wow them again three weeks before their contract is up for renewal. It's how can we infuse experience into every single part of who we are? How can we recalibrate the DNA of our company around making it so whatever your thing is to work with you, so enjoyable, so fun, so rewarding, whatever, so convenient, like whatever your superpower is, how can you be so much of that that a customer would never dream of leaving? And to kind of touch on one of the things you were saying, I think too many brands make the mistake of defining the wrong places where the customer begins and where it ends. Oh, yeah. I talk a lot about the idea of like before, during, and after in this book and the fact that a huge amount of businesses and leaders within those businesses spend a disproportionate amount of time on that during. And the problem with that on the front end is that you're losing prospects and potential customers that you never even knew existed because they're hitting your website and they're bouncing. They're going to your socials and they're like, nope. You're losing that battle on reputation because you haven't shown that you are a category of one. You are just another commodity. You're just another service provider. You're just somebody else doing that thing that you do. So you've got to spend attention on the before. And it's not just your marketing department. It's not just, you know, your sales development team. It's everyone. Again, it's like the brand is the employee. The brand is the experience. The brand is what people are saying about you based on their experiences. And then the same is true of after everything after the transaction. So many times we're overly focused on acquisition. So it's like, get a customer repeat, get a customer repeat that we're not paying attention to the fact that it is so much easier and more efficient, both in terms of time and money and ideas to keep a customer than it is to go get another customer. A lot of times um, I think about airlines and the airline experience. And there was the, I don't know if this dates me or not, but there was the old uh, Saturday Night Live skit where you had David Spade as the flight attendant. Like, you know, as people were were leaving the plane, he would say, bye-bye, bye-bye. And to me, like too many airlines will say, the moment you step off the plane, that's the end of your experience. And we're just saying bye-bye to you. Whereas even, you know, if if you think about it, no, you, you've still got to go get your baggage that the airline still has if they want to get it to you within a reasonable amount of time. And then you've got all the follow-up afterwards, you know, just focusing on their total trip experience, not just that flight. Yeah. And for probably at least 35 or 40% of those passengers, there's a trip home, right? And people booking round trip tickets to get back to wherever they started from. Exactly. So one of the things you talked about in the super model is exceeding expectations. And I think sometimes it can just feel hard enough just ensuring that we're delivering on the promise that we make, just meeting the expectations of that promise. So What are some of the things that we can do to exceed on those expectations? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of the idea of micro moments. And every interaction that you have as a human is going to end in one of three ways. You're going to walk away feeling better, worse, or exactly the same. Like 
those are the only options. You're going to be like, wow, that was a great use of my time. I'm so glad I did that. Or, oh, you know, won't do that again. Or it's like a nothing burger that you don't think about again and you just move on with your life. So this is true of every interaction, no matter how small, every email, every text message, you listening to this podcast right now. I hope that you can start to think about all of these interactions you have with these people who, you know, are in your orbit right now, like on this planet, like there's billions of people, but you're talking to this other person. You've got this personal human touch, human connection. Are you going to make their experience better, worse, or exactly the same? Are you going to leave them better, worse, or exactly the same? And to the extent that you can leave people just a little bit better than you found them, you are like quite literally making the world a better place, but you're also, in most instances, exceeding their expectations. And it's so easy to do a lot of times. A lot of times it's as simple as smiling as someone. It's as simple as saying something nice. It's as simple as making your email kind of funny or whatever, again, your adjective is for you know what your brand is all about. But just doing that a little bit of extra can make such an impact. I'm glad to hear you say that, that it can be just a little bit of extra because, you know, here we are beginning of 2023. There's indications that we're heading into a period of, let's say, financial uncertainty. And a lot of brands are starting to cut back on their budgets. So it sounds like it doesn't take that much investment to be able to deliver and instill these super fan experiences. Oh, it doesn't. And here's the thing. You can't buy super fans, right? You can't pay someone to love you more. So it's not about spending budget. It's not about going above and beyond. It's about using that human connection to make someone feel like, okay, now I have an Emily at this brand. Like it's no longer just like the spaceless entity that is causing me frustration and making me want to like rip my hair out and go to their headquarters and throw rocks at their their windows. Like now I've got Emily. So speaking of Emily, on the other side of the customer experience, you've got the employee experience. So how do you see those two tying together to create super fans? They are absolutely unbreakably bonded. You will never have a better customer experience than the experience your employees have with your brand. It's impossible. It can't happen. It's like you're not going to win the Super Bowl if you have a team that can't play. Like, it's impossible. So you've got to model for all of your employees the behaviors that you want them to show your customers. Oh, I love that. Thank you for saying behaviors. I don't think enough people recognize the value of showcasing behaviors. A lot of times we talk about values, tenets, objectives, but I really think that when it comes down to the fact that the experience is being delivered by people and people deliver the experience through their behaviors. Absolutely, they do. And so the funny thing about this is like, so I've, you know, I've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old and do they learn based on what I say to them? Nope. They learn based on what they see me do, right? And when there is any disconnect between what I'm saying and what I'm doing, obviously what I'm doing wins out, right? And I, and I know this, and as a parent, you know, you like see it sort of like mirrored back to you when your kids do something and you're like, oops, note to self, like don't say this again or don't do that again. Your employees are the same way. 
they're taking way more cues from what they see you do than from what you say. Like your core values cannot just be posters on a boardroom wall that nobody looks at. Like it is the way that everyone in the organization treats their colleagues and their direct reports. I've heard this as it relates to parenting, like more is caught than taught. So, (laughs) so mirror that behavior. But then also like, like you were saying, if you expect your employees to deliver a super fan experience, it's going to help for them to know what it feels like to be on the receiving end of that kind of experience. So deliver it to them. Yeah. And we've all as customers experienced the difference between interacting with someone who loves their job, someone who hates their job and someone who's just like, yeah, this is just to pay the bills. Like I'm going to be an actress. Um, So think about it. Like, what do you want for your customers? Do you want them to experience that person who loves their job? Well, then how do you get somebody to love their job? Right. What are the things that you need to do to make your employees feel validated, to make them feel appreciated, to know what an important part they are of this role that you're playing in the world. If you want your customers to have a super fan experience, then you've got to give that super fan experience to the ones who will be delivering the experience to them. Absolutely. A hundred percent. All right. Well, this is normally where I ask the last question around creating a soundtrack, but you've already done this. You've already gone and created a creating super fan soundtrack and you've placed it in the book. So I love that. But if you could take five or you can even add a few more if you want, if you could just take just a handful of those songs to create a creating super fans playlist, what songs would you choose? Well, you're right. I've already created a playlist, which you can pop into the show notes. It's got over a hundred songs. It's like seven hours of music. But one that I'll talk about, um, which is maybe the very first song mentioned in the book, if not one of the first. And it comes from the foreword of my book, which was written by our mutual friend, Shep Hyken. And in the foreword, Shep talks about the oldest known customer complaint letter, which dates back to like 1750 BC or something. and. You're shaking your head. I think you know the story, right, of this this complaint letter. It's in the British Museum. It was somebody complaining to their copper ore vendor about not being treated well. And it was literally like carved in uh, like a clay tablet and sent across uh, Mesopotamia through a war zone, like in a caravan of people on camels to complain. But what's funny about this customer complaint letter is it's essentially the same things that make people mad today, 4,000 years later. It's what you told me wasn't true. You're making it way too hard for me to do business with you. You don't appreciate me. And I feel misrepresented. Like I, I, I feel like you misrepresented something to me. Uh, and I'm, I'm outraged about it. So the song title that introduces that story in the foreword is the Motley Crue song, Same Old Situation. And I think that's a perfect song to set up, not just my book, but also this idea that like nothing we're talking about here is revolutionary. These are not new ideas. Like be nicer to your customers and you'll make more money is not something that you and I have created. And yet here we are still talking about it thousands of years later, because as simple as it sounds, people don't actually take the time to implement it. They don't focus on the little things that become 
the big things. So I'm going to just give you that one song and it's same old situation. And if you don't want that same old situation to be what people think of when they think of your brand, then you got to pick up creating super fans. Yeah, it's all about common sense. (laughs) It's really common sense lessons that aren't commonly practiced. So the bar is set pretty low. A lot of times it is. Yeah. And and it really is spending your time on those human things that matter. That's it. Well, and I will put the rest of the playlist. I'll put the full playlist in the show notes and I will be listening to that on repeat. All right. So thank you, my friends. Oh, you're welcome. Brittany, it was so great seeing you. So great spending time with you. I always learn from you. But where can people go to learn more from you? You can go to BrittanyHodak.com. That's where you'll find all of the things. And I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Brittany Hodak. So go and learn more from her at BrittanyHodak.com. And go ahead and pick up your copy of Creating Superfans. It just released this week. It's going to help you learn how to deliver experiences that convert your customers into devoted superfans. And if you enjoyed this episode with Brittany, I think you're going to like the next one too, featuring Jim Knight. Jim's the former head of global training for Hard Rock International, so you know he's great at teaching Rockstar employees how to deliver standout experiences. Today, Jim's an international keynote speaker and leadership, training and development, and customer experience expert. And Jim's the author of three best-selling books, including his latest, Service That Rocks, Create Unforgettable Experiences That Turn Customers Into Fans. Turn customers into fans? Hey, I'm noticing a trend here, and hopefully you do too. You are too. Turn customers into fans? Hey, I'm noticing a trend here, and hopefully you are too. Jim and I discuss his lessons from Service That Rocks all around hiring the right people for your business, and then giving them the communications, the training, and the empowerment they need to deliver experiences that make your brand iconic. So if you go ahead and subscribe to the Simple Brand Podcast, then you'll automatically get Jim's episode as soon as it's live. Until then, keep it simple. I hope you check out the book. You can find it everywhere books are sold. So if you've been listening to this in your car and you're about to drive by a bookstore, Go go walk inside. Pick up or, the book. <laughs> or park the park the car first. Park the car, yes. Put your phone yeah. and go on either Amazon or Barnes and Noble or your favorite book app and order it right there. Yep, absolutely. You can get it as a beautiful full color hardcover, or you can get the Audible version or the Kindle versions. Whatever you want, we got it. I mean, I would recommend all the formats. <laughs> Listening to you read the book. But then also the real book itself. Gosh, it's so beautifully designed. It is an experience in reading. Thank you, my friends. Well, Brittany, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your time here today. Yes, always great to talk to you, my friend. And I will look forward to seeing you at our place for Swatch for brunch again soon. Hooray. 
<laughs> yeah, because we're both fans of First Watch. We are. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Brittany Hodak. So go and learn more from her at BrittanyHodak.com. And go ahead and pick up your copy of Creating Superfans. It just released this week. It'll help you learn how to deliver experiences that convert your customers into devoted superfans. And if you enjoyed this episode with Brittany, I think you're going to like the next one, too, featuring Jim Knight. Jim's the former head of global training for Hard Rock International, so you know he's great at teaching Rockstar employees how to deliver standout experiences. Today, he's an international keynote speaker and leadership, training and development, and customer experience expert. And Jim's the author of three best-selling books, including his latest, Service That Rocks, Create Unforgettable Experiences and Turn Customers Into Fans. Turn customers into fans? Hey, I'm noticing a trend here, and hopefully you are too. Jim and I discuss his lessons from Service That Rocks all around hiring the right people for your business and then giving them the communications, the training, and the empowerment they need to deliver experiences that make your brand iconic. So if you go ahead and subscribe to the Simple Brand Podcast, then you'll automatically get Jim's episode as soon as it's live. Until then, keep it simple. Simple.